think about it, there isn't a single director out there in the history of cinema that has done satire as like just perfectly as Paul Verhoeven. He takes everything that you that makes American audiences uncomfortable when it comes to uh, you know sexuality or makes you know European audiences uncomfortable when it comes to violence and he throws them in the blender and just kind of says fuck you to everyone. Welcome, everybody, to our next month of movie coverage on a podcast directed by this month. Uh, as we mentioned on our last episode, our director is Paul Verhoeven, slightly different from John Ford, who we did last month. Uh, as Mike mentioned, we are going with a little bit more of a populist pick. Uh, and our resident expert this month is Jerry Smith, who hosts a podcast called The Pod and the Pendulum, which is mainly a horror movie podcast, but he's also big into genre films, so he is our Verhoeven expert, uh, which we're pretty sure that's how we pronounce that director's name. So feel free to at me on Twitter and correct me if I'm wrong. So Mike, are you excited for our more populist uh, films yes. this month? <laughs> Didn't even let me get it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I think initially I, uh, I was thinking like, well, that'll be certainly more titillating. And then... Of course, when <laughs> when I got into the weeds of flesh and blood, I was like, "All right, um, maybe this is <laughs> the pendulum is going a little too far." It's <laughs> so also also a little behind the scenes. The reason we ended up picking Paul Verhoeven is we did an episode of your show, uh, War Machine versus Warhorse, where we watched Total Recall, uh, a Paul Verhoeven movie that we will cover later on this month, and thought like, "Hey, this could be fun. We should do all his movies." He's I've seen the first there. 10 minutes of The Informer. I need something else. <laughs> I need to pick me up. So, yeah. Uh, unlike John Ford, where I was the one that said, hey, what about The Informer as the start? Um, when we did that conversation on Total Recall, we were like, yeah, man, you could easily get to eight. I think we said eight was the sort of number that came easily. Yeah. And then maybe there was a couple other questionable points. But the main one was where to start. And I'm throwing the ball back to you because – <laughs> we could have gone earlier some of the stuff in the 70s See, but you this chose is, this is this your film. thing though you throw it back to me because you're like i don't want to think about it just pick one for me will you i don't i don't know i haven't seen any of these movies some of them are dutch i don't, I don't know what's happening here please tell me what I, to watch I do first want to point out that i'm <laughs> i was concerned because i'm like all right this is a you know a foreign filmmaker to us dumb mm -hmm. americans um international filmmaker i guess would be more appropriate that's where the academy's going now um, and I was a little concerned that it's like, okay, so the first one, flesh and blood, I see the actors. I'm like, wait, this is English language, which admittedly does help on a podcast, throw a clip on, you know, provide context. Cause Dave and myself are lazy slash incompetent, you know, take your pick or both. Uh, but I just, I remember, you know, when we decided this thinking like, oh, that is that troublesome that we're kind of skipping over that time period i think it would be more troublesome if these were like well known right like if we did someone like uh denis villeneuve right there is some there is some uh some of his movies that are in french that are pretty well known and of course he's done very few movies so he wouldn't have that many choices 
But like if you if you say the name Paul Verhoeven, I don't think you're thinking of these older movies. You're thinking of RoboCop, of Total Recall, of Starship Troopers, of you know more recently L. But like these movies. Well, there you go. Like we we are like the filmmaker. We will return on the the back end uh, to his filmmaking in his home country, and uh, with what Black Book L mm-hmm. tricked. So we okay. So we we've got our international flavor. Uh, actually have. After having seen Flesh and Blood, which we'll get into, um, I think you were right. You're right on because <laughs> this was, even though it was a co-production, it was English language. Uh, I think there was the financing came from three different countries, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's not technically counted as his first, like you know, purely English film, even though it's English speaking parts. Um, <laughs> but this one was. Seemingly a failure on all counts from all parties involved. <laughs> and uh, pre- I, th- I think he directly left this film like to go shoot RoboCop. So it was like it was sort okay, of the I was just of- going to bring that up. And that is so crazy to me, mm-hmm. especially after watching this movie, that RoboCop was the next thing he did. I mean, he did mm-hmm. a, a one episode of a, t- of a TV show called The Hitchhiker uh, in between. But that's pretty much it uh, until RoboCop. And well, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the next episode. But RoboCop is... A fantastic film. We're uh, really trying to promote the next episode. RoboCop <laughs> is coming. We promise you. Yes. Uh, because like for this episode, it was between either Flesh and Blood or The Fourth Man. Um, and it's funny. When I was talking about watching this movie on Twitter, you know, I didn't want to give away what movie I was watching. So I was like, I'm watching Paul Verhoeven. And it's a very – it's an early Verhoeven movie. And maybe we picked the wrong one because everyone was like, oh, is it The Fourth Man? The Fourth Man rules. That's so cool. And I was like, Nope. It is not the fourth man. It's the one right after that. <laughs> and then no one would respond. They were just like <laughs> radio silence. So um, it's it's interesting because I had, you know, we were talking before the recording. And if you go to the Wikipedia, Flesh and Blood is apparently a romantic, erotic, historical adventure drama film. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, and this movie, I think, has uh, a perfect description of it. It's a lot. <laughs> this is, yeah remove it, historical at least from my knowledge of verhoven and well, that, romantic that, erotic thriller that fits right yeah it does and it's i was very surprised because all i knew really about this movie before going in was kind of the the cover art and it looks very very fantasy right like you know very I, 80s as well yes absolutely 80s, yeah but i was very surprised that like you know the first 20 30 minutes of this movie it does feel like I mean, not to denigrate this movie at all, but more like Kingdom of Heaven than like Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? It's like very, you know, granted, not on the scale, not with the budget of Kingdom of Heaven, but it is very kind of, you know, very standard uh, historical fiction, I guess, which definitely surprised me. Uh, but it did it did let me appreciate that like Rutger Hauer, like I can see why Rutger Hauer kind of became a star. Like he does have... That certain something. As soon as he shows up on screen, you're like, oh, I need to be paying attention to this guy. Uh, it's kind of a bummer that Verhoeven and Rucker Hart didn't really like work together much after that. I think that, that was I think that was their final film together. Uh, and I I I love that movie. It's such a good look at class, uh, the different battles for classes. You know, it's it's all about the the struggling, working, good people rising up. And trying to demand what they're owed. Uh, was he a star after this, or was this? Well, I mean, it was like this in Blade Runner, end. right? 
I mean, I don't know. I like I just see his face and I think eighties. So I don't really know. Sure. Like, sure. he just fits in that time period. My one big takeaway as I'm watching this movie is like, wow, you could not, you could not make this movie now. This is really problematic. Like hmm. from from kind Even of as the, a a big Game of Thrones guy, because I, I just figure this is like the average episode of Game of Thrones includes uh, rape, misogyny. Um, well, it does death, destruction. It it does, but I think there's there's certain judgments that it makes of those characters that aren't really here. I mean, this would be I've seen people on Twitter talking well, about Game of Thrones. Well, plenty of judgment around. That should not everyone. be your gauge for anything. But um, the fact that you have a character, your main character, rape another character, and then she immediately falls in love with him. And then it kind of becomes a weird star-crossed lovers story after that. It's it's an odd choice. And I was just like, what is that? And I have to remember, okay, 1985, like, this is it's a different time. Uh, but it was pretty disturbing. Because everything, I think it is so disturbing, not just because of what's going on, but because everyone's kind of chuckling throughout this whole movie. Like, it does not take itself seriously at all, which somehow makes it a little bit worse. Like, it makes that misogyny and rape just a little bit worse. It's like, anyway, rape that woman. Uh, let's uh, Let's eat with forks now and make it a joke. Like, uh... hey, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> like, you know, that's uh, let's see. The only dis- dispute that comes about when uh, I guess rape is appropriate dinner talk is <laughs> if one guy was going to rape first and yeah. then the other guy gets upset about it. Like, uh, uh, I guess I'll just... set this place on fire instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, so we've kind of we kind of jumped into this. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this one. You, you kind of kind of spoiled it with, you know, some rape talk. But I felt like, uh <laughs> You know, uh, it felt like that's this is just the way of the world. Like we are talking about like an arranged marriage, sure. And like this, the way Jennifer Jason Lee is brought into this equation here is that she's a prized virgin. Who and one thing I really liked about this film, uh, right before she's uh, abducted uh, and she gets like the briefest of moments to meet uh, this prince or whatever that she's supposed to marry she has ordered her maid to have sex in front of her <laughs> i knew you would uh, like that scene <laughs> you were well, like go do I'm it <laughs> because you know you have to because i control you basically and i'm <laughs> i thought it was it wouldn't be made now like this whole thing right right uh well not a feature length film um but they also I don't think they would include that part right they would because uh, and I'm I don't want to get into Game of Thrones too much but like because I, I quit that shit like two seasons <laughs> in I was like oh, this is kind of boring um, and you know what I bet's not going anywhere and I, I feel vindicated yeah you're not <laughs> far response. off um, but you know one thing that I, I found interesting about the backlash to Game of Thrones was the uh, the dragon queen lady uh, that seemed to really upset people now because she's victim 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 she gets dragons also kind of falls in love with the man that she's been arranged to that kind of rapes her correct yes absolutely yep uh but she becomes this like literal like poster for people to put on their walls like you know i can't wait till she burns everything in the ground and <laughs> from what i understand she did yep. and but the way she did it was like ooh, and people are still bad that's that wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. Like she seems a little unhinged. Like I don't like that. Imagine this uh, person who murdered thousands of people would be yeah. a little unhinged. So okay, enough Game of Thrones because I you know I'm I'm speaking just to the response to it that I found kind of curious. Um, I I don't think you would have this scene where this young girl is like 
you know, she her her destiny is to be given to a man uh, who doesn't want her initially. This young prince, he wants to be a scholar. You know, it seems very either he's very asexual. That guy uh, sucks, man. That guy sucks. Initially, not prone <laughs> to uh, violence, or he's not prone to uh, intimate. He's not prone to any intimacy. He's, uh, but with violence, he wants to be creating blow, these weapons. Blow stuff up from a distance, man. From afar. Right. Yep, yeah. He yep. doesn't want to be in close combat. Doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Um, so this woman who's rejected by this guy, um, you know, he's just put out by his dad, giving him this virgin bride, um, is abducted by Rutger Hauer and company. Uh, what I like about it is we see them, they've already been screwed over. And just interrupt you for a second. I also love that Bruno Kirby is in this movie randomly as, as mm. one of Rucker Howard's guys. I didn't really like that. Too I was much. Like, like, what? How? You city slicker. Get out of here. <laughs> you just stick out like a sore thumb. Um, <laughs> so you have this woman that's rejected, mm-hmm. uh, who's not the nicest person. Like the people beneath her, she orders to have sex, even when her maid says, I'm not really in the mood to have consensual sex. And she's so, like, yes, well, do you it are. anyway. <laughs> okay. So she's cool with that. That's the way that, you know, Sex is currency, and she's already, even though she's a virgin, she's already sort of acknowledging it as such. Uh, then you have Rutger Hauer and his band of merry men slash women who I think you're supposed to identify with or feel some sympathy for. Strangely, even though they are like raping and like maiming people, but they've been hired to do so. And the reason you're supposed to feel sympathy for them is the bureaucrats who hired them to do that are like, oh, they're taking too much money. You know what? They're having a little too much fun raping and maiming. Please tell them to stop now so we can clean up this mess and get <laughs> get those type of people out of here. We don't need them anymore. Yep. So you've introduced these characters and I don't feel sympathy for any of them. That, I that's agree. what I like most about it. For a fantasy film, there's no Sam, there's no Frodo, no Gandalf. All these people are despicable. And <laughs> since none of them, other than I guess Rutger Hauer for you, to me, are like movie stars, mm-hmm. I, I'm watching it maybe like Game of Thrones people where I'm like, man, at any point, any of these characters could die. And I was kind of into it for a feature film. <laughs> I didn't really know who was going to get their head chopped off or you know, testicles burned or, you know, what other despicable thing they're going to do to each other. Uh, and, and the plague, then we have the plague come in. We have like Just a little version of outbreak and zombies in the castle. Dead dog Very parts cool. in water. Yeah. Good times. Love it. Man, I didn't like that too yeah, much, man. Not. That was the one thing I really didn't like. <laughs> you know, this was so, so interesting to watch because, and we've kind of talked about this before with other directors, because I have more experience with this director probably than, I guess other than Sofia Coppola, like of all the directors we've done, I'm like, okay, I've seen most of these movies. There's like maybe two movies of the 10 that I haven't seen. So I kind of know his style. I know what's coming. I know that Verhoeven tends to take risks and does not shy away from sex or sexuality. And some will come out. No, for sure. Um, And, you know, sometimes in his movies, you know, there's, you know, there's some missteps with sexuality, but he's not scared. He's just going to put it all out there and, you know, he's he's out to have a good time. Not so much for the men, though. No. Rucker Howard does not put it all out there, <laughs> no. but I think Bruno Kirby does. Yeah, it's... There's, does there's that do it for of... any of our listeners? I hope not. <laughs> Bruno Kirby? Ugh, it's not a good choice. Would it get uh, directed by Pod banned if you changed, changed our avatar to Bruno Kirby with his gear out? <laughs> <laughs> our avatar? Yes, I think we would. <laughs> Why? Uh, so... <laughs> So we the have thing, an alt account coming up just for that. <laughs> so you have that you have that moment with her, you know, ordering her servant to have sex even though she doesn't want to. Which, like, let's be real, that's rape. That's a rape scene, uh, especially because by proxy, after by command, yeah, yeah, and especially in the middle of it, she like 
pulls this guy off of her and makes them stop, even though now they're enjoying it. Uh, was she doing that like in a protective way? Or no, I think she, she was, was bored. Disgusted. I think she was oh, bored. bored. She's like, oh, I went with the worst option. I've difference. seen enough. Let's, yeah. let's move on. Uh, and then there's a scene when she meets her, you know, her horrible soon to be husband, I guess, who just wants to read books and blow things up. Uh, what is with you? It's this theme <laughs> on the show, like reading books. I hate it. Uh, but there's this whole sequence where they are having a flirtatious romantic moment in front of men who have been murdered, uh, men who have been killed, uh, men who have been hung. Oh, uh, uh, and then, like, there's this there's this whole thing that's said that's just kind of accepted and moved on that, like, oh, by the way, when a man is hung, he, he comes. What was it about? A magic root. Mandrake. Grows in a place like this. If a man and a woman eat of it, they will love each other forever. Did it also say why you have to dig in this particular spot? The nuns inked out that passage very carefully. When a man is hanged, he comes and his semen spills to the ground. That's where your mandrake sprouts. Explains why the passage was inked out. Uh, what? I've never heard that before. I've heard, like... You know that the the body releases in other ways when you die, but not so much that you orgasm. I don't think that's a thing. Uh, so then it's basically saying like, oh, that stuff you're digging around in right there—that's that man's semen. So enjoy that. Like it was a very super bad moment. There's just semen everywhere. That was like it was such. I was like, and this is like what 15 minutes in, and I'm just like, what did I? What did I choose? I should have chosen this the is Dutch not the movie. Informer, uh, <laughs> yeah. Super fans, I, I, I tell you what, I was I was hooked. I was into this, <laughs> and I didn't want to watch it at all because I, I saw the poster and I said, "Oh, great, Dave picked this because it's fantasy <laughs> bullshit," and I don't want to watch a 1980s fantasy film. I've never seen Legend. Uh, I saw Excalibur. That one, you know, I could handle. This is what I was expecting. Too. Actually, I was expecting something like Excalibur based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the poster and based on the time and based on the director, frankly. Um, so it's kind of surprised that, like, and this is an odd thing to say, but this is, given what I was expecting, this was strangely grounded. Like, there wasn't a bunch of magic. There wasn't a bunch of crazy action sequences. There's a couple explosions. But, like, it's pretty it's pretty standard kind of historical fare with Verhoeven sexuality thrown in there. I mean, the closest thing you get to magic is the... Uh misuse the abuse of this like you know religious totem this like mm. statue they Saint have Martin. yes and the film's smart enough to show rutger hauer sort of using it to to get his way like yeah. hmm, a castle's coming up <laughs> tired of the kids uh trying to rape each other in the back seat <laughs> Let's so just point gonna, that statue this we're way we're gonna pull over right here and dad's old dad's gonna say all right enough of that no raping tonight because we have to plunder <laughs> this castle um the the plague thing as i said i thought was cool because the i was kind of going with it but they take this castle basically howard and jennifer jason lead by just coming through the chimney like the grinch santa <laughs> and they just up. run and everyone chases them and then when they get the front door it's like they get stabbed yeah that's that was it was the most basic plan but do you the think fact that, do you think that's what they wanted to do or do you think that's an issue of like well we don't really have any money for a bunch of 
action sequences. So let's just have these people run away and make it well, simple. It's, it's I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't. <laughs> I would say we didn't do research. I don't know if there's been a definitive like documentary on the making of this film. Where's or, the biography? Where's the retelling I, of this? I, I would read that. A, a book. I don't have one selected yet for Mr. Verhoeven's month, uh, but I'll try to find one that you know answers that question. Uh, but it kind of fits with the tone of the movie that like, you know, it's, it's very simple, like red line, Indiana Jones style, A to B to C, like we're here, (laughs) we're going there and we may end up uh, in the ground with the the semen and the blood and all that (laughs) other stuff. Uh, I, I liked it. I also like, you know, with the plague come back into it, I was like, well, that was pretty easy to take that castle. And it's because, you know, how many people had already abandoned it? Right. They're they're going to, it's like a ghost ship basically. And, uh, I, I just, I felt like it, it knew what it was. Unfortunately for this time period, it being released. I mean, this is not certainly couldn't come out now because Lord of the Rings, like our expectations for fantasy requires production values. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, but Mm. even then I bet people were like, uh, you know, like if you just put it up against Excalibur, it's like far less crazy as far as, you know, the the imagery you're getting and. Yeah, and uh, apparently Verhoeven, like, that was the big draw to him, was he just wanted to, like, he didn't say it because it wasn't out yet, but it seemed like this is, like, what Deadwood is to Westerns. He wanted to do for fantasy where people just sort of die uh, <laughs> in unspectacular ways. Like, it's like, oh, you're sick. You're going to start, like, puking up, and <laughs> when you get shot in the hand, uh, you be- you don't become an action star. You, right. <laughs> you're kind of, you're kind of beaten down and mostly useless. Doesn't end uh, well for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I liked all those elements of it. Uh, it does not fit in all. I'm looking at the poster on Rotten Tomatoes, which uh, there's only 16 reviews. <laughs> so <laughs> that probably skews it. But 16 reviews, it was 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Huh. But the poster is, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee, full on love triangle thing with like flames behind her and the two giant heads of the men fighting for her in a savage time torn between two rivals. She fought for survival with the only weapon she had herself. Oh, <laughs> like, that's not great. <laughs> this is not an uh, empowering movie for, for women. No. This is how she how she fights for herself. So I'm divided on one of the things you said. Uh, you had mentioned this this idea of like it's a it's a movie where you. There's really no one to root for. And I totally agree with that. And that's why I feel like the love triangle stuff doesn't work at all. Because, like, I think in order to have a love triangle work, like, you should like one part of that triangle, if not two. Uh, I'm wondering, why are you so down on the guy that didn't rape her? Because that's really your option. Well, you, it's the, you know, you have you have two choices here. You have the rapist and you have the guy who is, like, he has the, the kind of madman idea of like i don't think about you at all like he just like does not care you're so still not making the case for me dave like if you're just because he's better than a rapist doesn't mean he's good he's just like the that better seems like the better you option put on your, your linkedin profile back in what the early 1500s just based on the the men we see <laughs> not a rapist oh my god the dream <laughs> the you know 98th percentile here yes. as far as that goes i i don't know dave i think you're being He's not likable. Uh, no. Did you read the trivia where the uh, they offered this part to Re- Rebecca Dormornay and she turned it down because she w- would only do it if they gave the part of the guy you hate, the non-rapist, to Tom Cruise? And they oh, didn't? Boy, what Jesus. a swing and a miss there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So yeah. Did Legend come Did it come out after this then? Did he just decide to get his I feel fantasy like, on with that hmm. one? Did Legend come out that late? Did it come out after 1985? I mean, it could have. 
They have like no gauge for when this Legends just, came out. This just seems like too low rent for uh, Mr. Cruz. But, you know, back in those days, he, well, it came out in 85. So same. They were probably you know, maybe filming around the same time. Just for that. <laughs> Man, there's a, there is a classic here if Tom Cruise is in that part. I don't know, man. It's it. So you didn't like this. You didn't have fun with this. I had fun with it, uh, but I think it sounds strange to say about Paul Verhoeven, but like I expected more um, from him because I think he's an easy director to mock um, because of movies like Starship Troopers, because if you just read them surface level, they're silly and they're over the top and they're ridiculous. But most of his movies have something to say. Um, there's there's kind of something underneath which we'll talk about when we get to RoboCop, we get to Starship Troopers, we get to Basic Instinct. But this this doesn't have that. You could tell it's kind of his his intro into English speaking film because uh, it is very, you know, for <laughs> despite all those descriptors that Wikipedia gives it, it's pretty straightforward. It's a pretty simple movie. I don't think it's a bad movie at all, but I don't, th- I, you know, just fast forward to the end of this month. I don't think I'm going to be calling this his masterpiece. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I I think we have an early early uh, early favorite early favorite for my favorite of this uh, well, process. Well, that's different. How about that? Yes, that's fair. Um, well, you know what we've not talked about. I think we haven't really talked much about uh, Verhoeven himself as far as our expectations because I think unlike last go round, I was so eager to get into the actual film, <laughs> the first film uh, that we we kind of skipped over that. So. You're already putting this on the lower tier, lower yeah. end. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, in, and that says more about how much I like his other films than like this is bad by any stretch. Hmm. So you uh, and I are different in that regard because I've never, I've never held him in particularly high esteem. I mean, I've enjoyed some some of his stuff, and mm-hmm. I, you know, if you put his name on something, I guess I would would say, oh, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've not seen Black Book. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched Hollow Man, probably around the time it came out. You know, that's I, I don't know if his stuff has stuck with me as far as uh, how many directors, which is funny that we're hosting a podcast about directors. I'm like, how many directors would I have to go down before I would, I would even get to his name? <laughs> but one thing about him, I think, is in general, like he's not going to make the safe choice. He's always going to make a risky choice, like whether you're talking about early in his career with with things like RoboCop or especially things later in his career, like Hollow Man and L. Like these are not these are not straightforward. These are not subtle films in any way. They are in your face and they are difficult um, so for better or worse. Tour, for sure. I mean, that's what he's uh, and I, I think. And this is the simplest version of that, right? Where it's just like, well. We're just going to put sex on screen and we're going to have nudity on screen, maybe without a big point to it or a lot of discussion. But I think that's what I liked more about it. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, uh, and we'll get to it. But, you know, we get to uh, certainly with L. Uh, that was a lot of the conversation it was about that just general hook, if you want to call it that, that premise of that film. Uh, Hollow Man, I even remember upon initial release, like I probably even knew that there was a rape sequence before I even got to see the film, before it even mm. came out opening weekend on the like entertainment websites and, you know, magazine articles of the day, uh, that was already something like, you know, does this belong in like a <laughs> sci-fi thriller? Like, you know, a popcorn right. thriller. Um, I, maybe I, I don't know. We'll see when we get there. I think I actually prefer <laughs> the excuse of the middle ages in mm. this, in this world where it's just like, Hey, this is just life. I mean, there is like a pretty sad moment where a baby dies and we kind of, we kind of know who's at fault. Right. Right. I mean, 
if you excuse the mother like being a complete alcoholic and like party or even when she's like very very pregnant on the okay. cusp of giving birth but like it's even stated in the film like uh you know basically being homeless at the time like there's no condition that you can expect like right. survival rates well you see the characters who just on a whim like get rid of them get them out of town we don't want it like that's how callous everyone in this film is i i guess i didn't find it I found it interesting looking at it with 2019 eyes, but I don't think it's as purposefully provocative as his other stuff where you put in just one little scene to get people talking. And I think I like it better where it's like, this is just the world they live in constant. Yeah. The barrage Mm of awful treatment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just, it, it was unexpected. It's not a, it's not a bad movie, but I, it does have me like, and now kind of moving to what we expect moving forward. It does have me strangely looking forward even more to watching more of his stuff. Maybe because I know that you it's sound going like such a disgusting person that for right me. <laughs> for me, it gets better. <laughs> like I'm going to enjoy the movies more after this point because I know I know what's what's coming up. But it makes me wonder, like, if this was if this was my introduction to Verhoeven, mm. like how shocked I would be when RoboCop came out. Like say you saw the Soviet in 1985 and you were really into, you know, fantasy and like this, this, the, the middle ages. And you're like, this is great. I really enjoyed this. This is fantastic. I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, next we're going to have a, uh, cyborg police officer, uh, mm. in Detroit. How about that? <laughs> like That's yeah. your next step. <laughs> sure. I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily see that. I, I probably would see something more like, uh, honestly, more like L. Right. I would think as a follow up. If I was watching this in 1985, I would think this is a guy. Be a weird double feature, man. <laughs> there, thankfully, there's going to be some space for us. Um, <laughs> but I, my thinking would be, hey, this guy's going to stay away from genre filmmaking because he seems to have a little bit of a distaste for it. Like mm-hmm. you know, there, there was easy money on the table here. You know, they they put the boobs on the screen. Uh, they put you know, an action star of the time with Rutger Hauer. Um, you know, put a little magic in here, put a little high fantasy and <laughs> stop making it so bleak. Like there's nothing here to identify with. If you go to these type of films to be like, man, what would it be like to live in middle earth? As terrible as middle earth is where it's like the apocalypse is coming and so right. on. You know, you get to, uh, the Shire and you're like, man, that looks kind of fun. Yeah. looks like a simple kind of like good life, smoke some weed, you know, <laughs> wizard comes by, you eat well, everything, you Fireworks. Dance, get drunk. Good. Sure. Yeah. You throw a party. Nothing here looks no. great. I mean, the the, <laughs> the castle they take Drink by storm. Dead dog water, man. This is not. They inherit <laughs> inherit the plague, you know. <laughs> and you know they they can't be left alone. Uh, the, <laughs> old dude gets made fun of by his friends for wearing white, and they're like, "What are you a poser now? What are you? <laughs> what happened <laughs> <in> the red?" <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of joy here. So I would think going forward, this guy is not going to do a sci-fi film because he's like, maybe he got a little bit of money to make this, and he just wants to make like dark, brooding right. character dramas or something. So yeah, I would I would be shocked. Um, and I say that as a guy like RoboCop coming up on the next episode is almost going to be like first time watching me. I watched it when I was like probably way too young, probably around the time like total recall was out into the eighties. I've not watched it as an adult. I've not watched any of the RoboCop. Well, other than the remake, which I also don't remember really that well. Yeah, Black that out. It's fine. You don't, you don't need to Uh, remember that. (laughs) I'm going to predict I'm disappointed. I'm going to predict flesh and flesh and blood is going to be that thing nagging on me through the rest of this month. I'm like, you know, what was great. That flesh and blood movie. I'm not even going to respond to that because it's nonsense. Um, 
So our next or episode, your pick. <laughs> I know. I regret is this it. What other fancy stuffs like? Is there other fancy like this? No, absolutely oh, not. Okay, so, great. Yeah, <laughs> it's just flesh and blood then. So, flesh and blood. Speaking of, you know, surprise that he's going the science fiction route. Our next episode will be basically all science fiction. We are watching RoboCop and Total Recall. Um, these movies, of course, are very available on on streaming. They're everywhere. These are both big hits. Uh, and both have had uh, subpar remakes, so make sure you rent the right movie and check out the uh, RoboCop and Total Recall from the 80s and not the more recent ones. I would just like to recommend that if you're interested at this point, we did watch, I did at least, Flesh and Blood for free on Tubi TV, which yeah. is, I don't know, should I say it's like Sony's Crackle? Like that's yeah, something people would know? Yeah. I think. <laughs> okay, it's free with you know commercials every once in a while, so uh, I had fun with it. Uh, I'm going to get on to Dave. If RoboCop <laughs> is streaming, I'm going to be upset because I have a Netflix DVD plan just for this. Oh, look at that. It's on Cinemax Go. I don't subscribe to Cinemax. But that yeah. sounds about right. Doesn't Paul Verhoeven sound like his entire catalog? Oh, 100%. Yeah, they should have a special deal with Paul Verhoeven that all his movies go straight to Cinemax. Absolutely. So uh, let us know what you thought of Flesh and Blood, if you saw it, if you're on Mike's side or if you're on my side. Uh, go ahead and add us at Directed by Pod and go ahead and follow us there on Twitter and rate and subscribe our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Everybody's like a ghost to me. Just like